0: Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.
1: How crazy can the paranormal get? Could extraterrestrials actually be demons? What is reality anyway? Hey there, and
2: welcome to the 194th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and our Monday drive time show on WOON 1240 AM and ONWorldwide.com. I'm Ben, and those opening statements for this really weird show today and giving those opening statements were my fa- was from my father and co-host and partner in
1: the paranormal, my dad. Right, that's me. Uh, tonight we're diving once again into one of our most popular themes, the extreme Paranormal. But the ultra-weird will have to wait for just a moment because it's, of course, contest Contest time. time. All
2: right, so last week's question was, of the ten people who watched the unwrapping of the mummy of King Tut in 1923, how many people died because of the supposed curse that was on the tomb?
1: Well, that was kind of a trick question. The popular myth is that most of those... Present at the opening of the tomb, uh, never mind the unwrapping of the body, uh, met untimely deaths. The fact is that nobody present at the unwrapping of the mummy suffered an untimely death, save perhaps uh, King Tut himself, who was just a kid. As a matter of fact, not one of them died until at least ten years later when they started to keel over from old age and all that sort of thing. Of the 26 people present at the opening of the burial chamber, only six died within the, the next 10 years. Uh, the truth is that the newspapers at the time had a field day with the curse, uh, the curse idea. I mean, I think the press is bad today. You shouldn't have seen them then. Whenever anyone related to Lord Carnarvon, the tomb's discoverer, or the tomb's opening died, the truth, or I should say, uh, the, the death was taken as proof of the alleged curse.
2: So not only did nobody die, but nobody got the correct answer to the question. So let's try this. In what year was the toad man reported in Lancashire, New England? Uh, Not Lancashire, England. Lancashire, England. Uh, So if you can deal with that, call us locally at 401-766-1240 or from anywhere in the U.S. at 800-449-1240. If I don't announce a winner during the show and you still think you have a shot, drop a line to me
1: at com. That was our producer tripping over something. Anyway, Okay. Uh, let's yeah okay and the, the winner right. gets a copy of uh, oh yes
2: then they get a really copy get of Turning movie. Home God Hosting God Ghosts and Human Destiny by my dad
1: okay yeah. now before we do anything else we want to acknowledge the passing or as we say a more appropriately in multiverse thought the translation of the groundbreaking scholar and author Zachariah Sitchin on October ninth at the age of ninety. Uh, He is a great thinker and a prolific author of books on alternative views of human origins, something we've dealt with on several shows and attracted a lot of attention with. So many blessings, many thanks, and Godspeed to Zachariah Sitchin. I'm sorry to say we never had him on the show. Uh, I guess just didn't work out, but um, we regret that, and uh, again, best to him. Uh, Let's start by talking about those absolutely charming skinwalkers. Uh, They are supposed to be evil human shapeshifters who can use negative magic to control others. They're present in the folklore of the Native Americans, especially in the American Southwest, and of all people, the Norse, the Vikings. I suppose you could also call them humanoids. And we do hope to have uh, our special reporter, uh, Albert Rosales, calling in uh, tonight, a little bit later, to talk about humanoids and some of his latest uh, cases that he has assembled in his amazing humanoid database. Anyway, in the Southwest, the Navajo, Hopi, and Ute tribes have their own varying stories about skinwalkers. Many families on the reservations have their own skinwalker stories. Now, Ben, uh, you spent a week on the Navajo reservation in Arizona earlier this year. What did you find out about skinwalkers?
2: Well, um, this one, like the, I think it was the third, fourth day in, the uh, Navajo people were invited to have their children come over so the children could hang out with us and all that. And, And me and one of the kids that was there we were just standing outside talking and he was telling me about skinwalkers and i remember one of the chaperones saying to us don't listen to the kids talk about skinwalkers because they creeped out the kids last year and blah 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 <laughs> and i was just like well i don't know i'm not stupid so you know what i was well No,
1: you're very good with, uh, with that sort of so thing. i was just like
2: you know what i'll just i'll talk to him and just make conversation so he was telling me about skinwalkers and stuff and he was going on about um all the stuff he's seen and all that and how they follow him around And I could have sworn, as we were talking about this, that there were, like, humanoid figures running around in the background, like, running around in the darkness and all that. And he was like, oh, yeah, do you see that one over there? And I was just like, oh, yeah, I do. And apparently what he was saying was that he – his father found someone who was a skinwalker and he died or something like that. It was his grandfather or something because his dad is actually – he wasn't from the Navajo Reservation. Mm -hmm. But – it was very interesting talking to him and getting his thoughts on skinwalkers cuz he lives with this legend like every day.
1: So w- w- would you characterize it as kind of a, a cuz a shapeshifter almost like, like a a wolfman kind of thing is uh, in folklore or vamp- vampiristic or what or is it just some kind of stands by itself?
2: I guess you could consider it more of like I don't know werewolf kind of thing but Oh yeah
1: right, right,
2: right. So, something like that huh. kind of cuz that's that's how the
1: Okay, uh, we, uh, we'll continue with our talking about skinwalkers here. Thank you, Ben. Cool. Um, and we have a caller. Hello,
0: hello. hello. welcome
1: much. to Behind the Paranormal.
0: Hello. Hello. Hey, hi,
1: this is Albert. Oh, Albert, uh, of course. Uh, uh, <laughs> we, we were just hello. talking about you. Yeah, so uh, Albert uh, Rosales, our special reporter. Um, Albert, uh, what do you have for us tonight?
0: Hey, listen, I just got a uh, this report from uh, a... Uh, Donald, Clear from Quebec, Canada. Okay. He sends, he sends me in cases once in a while, and uh, this is an old case, but it's, I thought it was interesting back in the summer of 1951. Uh, it talks about a 17-year-old girl that was in Saint-Gerard in Quebec, walking with her younger sister, and they notice uh, uh, they uh, describe a strange device in a field nearby, about 100 feet away. And there was an an open on the craft. And at the entrance to the opening there stood what they described was a uh, medium-sized woman with very long blonde hair, wearing a dress, uh, two-piece shirt, and gray pants. Well, I guess uh, a two-piece shirt and gray pants. And according to them, uh, she she seemed very nice and was looking at them and smiling. Now... uh, the, the vehicle was shaped like an oval with a dome and it was, it had landed on three legs, like a, maybe like a tripod. And, uh, the, the ladies appeared not to be, uh, afraid of the young girls. I don't see why she would be, but that, the, they, uh, they just stood and, and stare at her, but did not approach. Uh, according to the, the letter, they, they did leave. They didn't want to stay around for some reason. And uh, one of the girls, uh, Violet, for first name, has uh, experienced other incidents after that. Now it's interesting that uh, this case, the uh, uh, blonde woman or the Nordic type uh, humanoid, is reported. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is back in 1961. We don't hear that many uh, that type of reports anymore. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's uh, funny. Thought, uh, yeah. No, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, I thought it was uh, an interesting case.
1: Very much so. You guys. Well, you know, Albert, uh, we were, we've we been commenting recently on, uh, we have Ted Phillips uh, on the show, and Ted is a uh,
0: fellow.
1: Ted, yes. of, yeah, he's well known to you, a friend of yours as well. And he yes. has uh, many, many years of, uh, over 50 years, I believe, of, of collecting UFO landing, not only stories, but but physical evidence of UFO landings. And he was saying that, that in um, recent years, the UFO phenomena, as far as landings and humanoids is concerned, has, has changed. And uh, as you kind of hinted just now, in those days, uh, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, even 90s, I guess there was a, a craft landing on the ground, and you could see landing marks, and people would have encounters. But now they seem to be more what he referred to as ovals, just like these lights that may be very small. I mean, do you ever, right. what, what, what's your take on that?
0: I don't know, it, it's also the, uh, the triangular shape craft is like, seem to have taken over a yeah, lot. Yeah,
1: that's so, right. But, uh,
0: there have been reports of landings, uh, recently, but you don't hear too many of those. You, you, there's a lot of, uh, focus on, on things like Roswell and, uh, the Grays and, 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 you know, I don't know, I think, uh, focus is, uh, the, 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 the real focus has been lost. I believe uh, researchers like Ted and others. They, uh, I think they know what I'm talking about. I, it, it's uh, what I, my feeling is. That what's important here is the, what's the the occupants or the the uh, beings. Those are the, the what we need to focus on. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, and whatever yeah. type of encounter, you know, abduction yeah. or you know, visitation. Well, Okay. Yeah. Um, Do you have any comments
1: about, uh, grays or, no? Okay.
2: No, I don't, I don't have any comments. I'm,
1: okay. Well, we'll stay out of that subject. <laughs> okay. What, uh, what else is going on,
0: Albert? I also got a letter from, a, a French researcher, uh, Jean Sider from France. He sent me in a couple of cases here. Important, interesting cases because these, uh, apparently took place in the 1940s. In the, uh, one of them in, in the middle of World War Two, in September 1943 in, in Corsica. Okay. The island of Corsica. Yeah. There's a man, was, uh, two men were riding their motorcycle to, towards Bastia. Bastia is, uh, I think, the capital of Corsica. Uh, they approached a, a high-speed turning point uh, by a ravine. They saw what they describe a landed lenticular machine. I guess lenticular is like an oval. I'm, I'm thinking uh, on the ground. It, according to them, it's shown like a polished, a polished. Uh, Polish, I'm sorry, polished aluminum. And it was resting on on a bank overlooking the road. And near it stood uh, stood two human-like people. They were tall, and this again was short blonde hair. And they were watching the men as they arrived. They were wearing a, a broad dark belt. With a large loop in the middle. I guess it's some kind of something hanging there. So Price and somewhat frightened because the, the, the two men enough, uh, have been sought after by that German Hastoffel. This is in the middle of the war, of course, September 1943. The driver braked violently and making the motorcycle skid. Meanwhile, the two people or humanoids rushed back into the machine we started to wobble and rotate on itself and before it tugged it up and disappeared towards the sea in complete silence. Wow. This is September nineteen forty three. Yeah. And uh this is uh kind of cases that are really interest me. Uh this right bef- this is before the so called, you know, the Arnold uh, pre this is what we call a pre mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Arnold encounter. Uh, because Arnold was in nineteen forty seven, that's when the flying saucer became popular. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I'm interested in, of course, the nature of, of any of these beings. And, of course, as you say, th- there were several classic humanoid types that would be seen in these encounters. And I don't know a lot about this. You, you, you're you the expert. But they seemed to be, as you say, the Nordic type, the people with sort of blonde hair and blue eyes. And then right. th- these others that, that I guess today we might call grays or something like that, the little guys with the, you know, short and skinny and big eyes and all this right. Uh right. what, what other types were... Uh, were commonly
0: encountered or are commonly encountered? Well, there, there's there's uh, what they call the reptilian, which at first I I, I didn't uh, find too many of those, uh, those cases, but I have, lately I've been seeing a lot of the type of uh, that type of humanoid.
1: Yeah, that's a big subject now, the reptilian type. Reptilian,
0: yeah. yeah. And I, and I'm thinking about those back in 1988 in South Carolina when they had that what you call a flap, where they had uh, several sightings of a tall, uh, huge reptilian-type uh, creature. Was that, uh, was that the area. lizard
1: man? Thing um, they were calling it.
0: Used there to, was one of the first uh, witnesses was a young man named Davis. He was uh, his car had broken down, and he, he saw something come out of a nearby swamp, running towards him. And he looked. He, he said it was huge and looked like a reptile with yellow eyes, glowing eyes. Huh. That would appear to have claw. And very scary. But this is back in 1988. It happened in oh, okay. yeah. several
1: cases. Well, I know there was a case recently uh, where people came out and they, they had heard a big ruckus out at night. I believe this is in North Carolina. And something had literally chewed on their car. <laughs> and they, yes. they would say uh, the lizard man is
0: back. I I read that somewhere, and uh, they relate that to back to the reptilian encounter back in '88. Yeah. It could be that it had returned. Well, a lot of the conspiracy
1: theorists have tied into the – and we're not conspiracy theorists here. I'm open-minded, and I've seen some things that make me really wonder. But I really can't call uh, call us conspiracy theorists here. But the idea of the reptilians, who are somehow behind a lot of events and they control things. And people will send us videos and pictures of well-known politicians, and the, on the screen their eyes kind of change. People say, aha, reptilian. I don't know. I mean, To me – I mean people ask us about the multiverse idea okay well suppose yeah i suppose you could have alter, alternate worlds in which uh, the the comet or whatever it was that killed the dinosaurs never hit and they went on to develop into thinking creatures and they'd probably look like reptiles or, or at least lizards i don't know so yeah I mean, all these things are possible what do you think is behind it oh i you know
0: you know david Ike. yeah England, oh yeah he's the yeah. one that's behind most of these Million uh, taking over the world scenarios. Yeah, that he says that the whole royal family in England are reptilians.
1: Oh, that's <laughs> nice. Speaking to
0: him. That's, that's his theory. Now, I, like you, I have an open mind, but I don't think I'll, I'll go that far saying. That no, not not people yet. People out there that you know politicians play. Uh, I, you know, I, I won't say that.
1: Yeah. Well, I respect but. the royal family. I hate to think that they have scales. I'm sure they don't.
0: <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah. Well, very good. So, uh, any other cases?
0: Uh, yeah, well, he sent me that. Uh, yeah, G-T-E-N-Siders. Uh, the other cases uh, also from uh, France. This is from 1945, October, November, in the region of Albisque Pau, P A U. That's uh, near the Pyrenees area. Uh, the witness here is a, was a major. He's a major. Was a major of a small village. Uh, he was a uh, going home when, and in, a, in a motor uh, in his motorcycle again no I'm sorry in his Renault small vehicle when suddenly it stopped functioning stopped. and about a hundred meters away uh, the, the witness noticed uh, on a field a, a strange disc shaped device uh, he called it a disc uh, resting on what appeared to be supporting crutches and according to him it was completely surrounded by a purple Color, color haze looking like a chief with thickness he cannot, uh, will, will not exceed uh, did not exceed a uh, meter on one extremity stood uh, three or four figures we uh, be, because of the light that emitted he was able to distinguish very well in detail they, they turned back to the object uh, to the object without hurrying themselves and and without him knowing how they entered the craft. Or disappeared into the craft, which then took off uh, noiselessly and disappeared from sight. Uh, he doesn't go into description here as, a, as far as the entities. Yeah. Uh, that he says that the, the car started soon after that, and then the next day he found that the bumper of his car was magnetized, so the small metallic objects were attracted to it. Hmm. Hmm. Very, very strange. And later, his car was so strongly adhered to a lamppost to which he had parked it that he, that he experienced difficulties in moving it uh, away from the lamppost.
1: Oh, like, dear. It
0: must have been a mess. <laughs> yeah. Kind of strange. What, 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 what but this, is fact, this is from uh, 1945, October.
1: Okay, well, again, you know, pre uh, pre Arnold, as you say. Wh- yeah. what, what, do you, what do you think is, is really going on here? A lot of these cases, I suppose, unless they end in abductions or something. They don't really go anywhere. Why, in your opinion, are these whoever they are landing, and or were they landing in 1945, whatever, and and uh, encountering people? What was the point? What do you think was going really? Point,
0: going that, uh, Some researcher asked me the, the exact same. Thing. He goes, "What? What is the point, Albert? If somebody, some farmer walking down the field sees a, a craft land. Two men get out, or two humanoids get out. And they grab a the piece of a." Or they they pull a plant from the from the ground and they go back into the craft and they go, and leave. Uh-huh. What's the point of all that?
1: So um, it might have not, might have nothing to le- do with the witness.
0: Yeah, maybe they didn't even know he was there. Maybe yeah. they're in some kind of uh, their own uh, world per se, or, mm-hmm. or and they're doing something that we have no way of uh, knowing what it is. Yeah. In appear in, in appearances, it might be what we saw, but it might be something completely different. You know. I don't know. It seems like sometimes they
1: stage things. I don't know. I, I can't yeah, it's Yeah, nobody really knows. Well, you know, we've done 14 hours on the air with the Rendlesham uh, witnesses, and we just finished up last night. We're going to do a final show in December, just uh, summing up. But uh, right. 14 hours on the air, and, and their, their ultimate conclusion was, well, you know, we don't know what this was. Uh, a couple of them, well, they, they, last night was very interesting. We had Stan, uh, Stan Friedman, the well-known UFO researcher, uh, as the, the anchor of the panel. And I don't know if you heard the show, Albert, but we, we had, uh, they, they were almost arguing with him about, the, the UFO witnesses were arguing with Stan Friedman about whether these were really aliens or not, because Stan, Stan is of the opinion that these were alien beings and craft, and uh, the people who actually saw it just weren't sure, you know, so it was quite interesting
0: i haven't heard the show i have i have it here and i'm looking at your website I'm going to hear it late on tonight because lately i haven't been able to uh do too much but
1: uh yeah it's two hours long Freeman, he,
0: he, he's into uh he's definitely to the nuts nuts and bolts the area ufo
1: very much uh,
0: nuts yeah. and bolt, and he's uh like you know he's never deviated from that and i you know i respect him for him. i i started off the same way but i think i changed my mind a lot uh the last 20 years or so
1: no you're an open-minded guy okay albert well uh, thank you very much for calling in i just we started talking about skinwalkers do you have any uh you know anything about skinwalkers because we you can contribute to our discussion on that
0: personally i haven't had any reports sent to me yeah well i now that you mention it i i had a lady from uh, from the midwest i'm thinking it was indianapolis indiana Okay. She sent me an email, and she call, uh, I gave her my phone. She called me a couple times, but I eventually lost track of, of her. But she said that her and uh, this is in Indianapolis, is a very big city, and there. Uh, she gave me the street and the uh, and everything where it took place. Uh, this is back uh, maybe 2005. Her and her sister were out, and uh, it was an evening night, and they were going to buy some ice cream. And they, there was an alley. They turned on the alley. And they were walking back to their vehicle, and they saw something that looked, looked to them, it looked like a wolf, but by bipedal, like maybe six or seven, almost seven feet tall, very wide, very fierce looking, according to them, the glowing eyes, the yellow eyes, cloth, and the funny thing that they noticed, like they were able to see it very clearly, was the feet or something was somehow facing the, the wrong way their the feet, it was like the feet were backwards, and that that they found very frightening, very bizarre, they immediately uh, left the, the area, their, the stores where there was this light, they went back to the place with several other people, and the, there was nothing there, or they had vanished, whatever it was, but that, that's very, that's the only one that I could think it could be some kind of skinwalker type creature.
1: Okay, excellent.
0: Have been well, reported to me directly.
1: Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you, my friend. It's always great to talk to you, and we're coming up on a commercial break, and uh, we'll be talking to you real soon. Albert Rosales, our special reporter. Thank you.
0: I'll be calling again. Take care. Anytime. Very good. Bye now.
1: And we'll be taking a commercial break here at Behind the Paranormal on uh, WOON 1240 AM, New England's beautiful Blackstone Valley. Stay with us. Everything you know is wrong. Hi, I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Paul Eno. Check out our show, Behind the Paranormal, with Paul and Ben Eno, here on ON 1240 AM, on Mondays on our new drive time slot at 6 PM. The paranormal is not what you think it is. You're going to examine the whole thing from a whole new perspective on our show, and we expect that you're going to be very surprised. Do not check your brain at the door. You're going to need it. Be there.
0: Rick Pickard here. The great sounds of rock and roll is back every Sunday from 1 to 4. Memory Lane will be playing songs from the 50s and early 60s. Be part of the great memories and sounds. See you there. Hello, everyone. My name is Bill Bruno, and I would like you to join me and my friends every Sunday afternoon from 1 to 4, because the oldies are back on W-O-O-N. The Memory Lane Show, every Sunday afternoon from 1 to 4. Tell your friends that the oldies are back on W-O-O-N. O-N Radio, O-N Worldwide.
1: Okay, we're back behind the paranormal with Paul <clears throat> and Ben Eno on W O O 1240 AM and onworldwide.com. We've been talking about some strange aspects of the paranormal, the most strange aspects of the paranormal, extreme paranormal. And we started talking about skinwalkers, and our good friend and show reporter, Albert Rosales, called in and was talking about some strange humanoids, uh, cases that have come his way recently. Now, I understand, uh, Ben Ben has some experience with this, uh, because he was down on the reservation there in Arizona. I understand that people can actually train to become skinwalkers. I don't know with whom. Mm -mm. Other skinwalkers? Well, I I suppose that would make sense. Uh, Supposedly it takes years of hard work and it can involve human sacrifice. I mean, this is not positive stuff. Uh, Skinwalkers, of course, being, I suppose, uh, some sort of Native American equivalent to werewolves or vampires uh, in their folklore. Pretty negative stuff. Reeks of parasites to me, uh, I'd say. Anyway, there were reports from the Navajo of one indirect skinwalker incident in the 1970s when a Las Vegas lawyer filed suit against a father in a child custody case and he filed suit against a skinwalker. I don't know what judge heard this case, but anyway, he claimed that the father was using a skinwalker who was in turn using witchcraft to gum up the custody case. Now, supposedly the child involved, hey, don't look at me like that, this is extreme paranormal, right? Supposedly, the child involved uh, reported some odd goings-on when he spent a night uh, with his father on the reservation. Now, according to the boy, uh, Dad had a very strange-looking, quote, medicine man, unquote, with him, and the two were using wooden dolls that looked like his mother and the lawyer. After chanting over the dolls, they all went to a cemetery and buried the dolls. Now, apparently, the family court judge uh, didn't consider this a joke. He awarded the mother full custody of the boy and made the father pay child support. Now, I don't know if they ever buried a doll that looked like the judge, but apparently he got through. Anyway, the guy lost. Skinwalker didn't do the guy much good. Now, also in the 1970s, a woman uh, making one of those early morning newspaper deliveries uh, on the Navajo reservation in Arizona reported hearing something scratching at her car's passenger side door uh, where her child lay asleep. Uh, she claimed that the door burst open and she was confronted by a bizarre creature with bright, terrifying eyes. Uh, she described it as half human, half animal. She managed to push the thing away from the door with her foot but claimed that it chased the car until she got to a convenience store and screamed out the window for help. Uh, okay, so people might ask, well, are these people imagining these things? Is this real? Well, again, in the multiverse, any anything we can conceive of according to some approaches from the physics, the science of physics, anything that we can conceive of has to be real somewhere, some in one of these parallel worlds. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been able to imagine it. Yeah. Now, did you ever hear, a skin, when you were talking about skinwalkers done on the reservation, did you ever hear it described as half human, half animal? or What, what do they look like?
2: No, I wasn't really specific about that.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe they're they, different from one case to another, or whatever this is.
2: I guess, I don't know.
1: And you find out in folklore that people are actually, they're seeing something. And that even in, in folklore, you get the silly stories that come down, you know, with a lot of baggage, but they're based on something that actually happened. It's something that's real. Like
2: somewhere. the bunny man.
1: <laughs> what about the bunny man? I
2: don't know. Just some guy who was, some, who was supposedly a crazy killer who ran around in a bunny suit.
1: Actually, oh, no, yeah, you're right. That's right. I read about that. That's true. I don't think there's anything paranormal about it. That's very good. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. We need a little more work with the teeth. But in any case... Yeah, this guy actually, uh, I mean, there are people who are pretty nutty, as we know, who will pretty much do anything. Probably half of them listen to this show. You know? All right. So again, the multiverse explanation, there's got to be something out there. Remember, Halloween night, we were doing our show, we are talking about The Great Pumpkin. Yeah. Charles Schultz never would have been able to imagine something like that, even though it was at a comic strip, if at some point in some part of the, some parallel world somewhere there weren't some kind of reality like that. All right. Well, there we are. Moving on. All things overlap. News reports from Ghana in West Africa tell of a mystery tree that grew back overnight after workers building a parking lot cut it down. Uh, The contractor told reporters (laughs) that the project has been suspended, and that he he and the workers are all afraid to go near the tree.
2: You know what's really interesting? I don't know what it is with Africa, but there's another, I think it's another portion of West Africa where there was a man-eating tree.
1: Yeah, we're talking about that, I guess. uh, what's, What's the story with that?
2: Well... Supposedly, there was this weird tree that had black bark, and there was like this weird—I per- think it was purple and black—like fruit on it. And if someone like ate it, or like an animal ate it, they first they'd uh, they'd get nauseous, or first like the symptoms were like nausea, then delirium, and then eventually they'd die. And if they died under the tree, they'd soak into the ground and then feed the tree. There's also another story of a man-eating tree in England. Really? Yeah, it was in folklore. Eat people, like it would eat people.
1: Okay. Well, you think
2: of the, what
1: was it? Lord of the Lord Rings. Of the, oh yeah, Lord of the yeah, the Lord of the Rings. That was a, well, I mean, we're not we're just not supposed to be talking fiction here, but I mean, who knows? I mean, anything is possible, and even in Africa, there are a lot of areas of the planet that are unexplored. <laughs> we we talk about cryptozoology where they're un. C- uh, categorized uh, species of animals, and maybe there are some strange things with with, with trees and whatever. Obviously, the sounds of the fruit certainly is poisonous. Oh yeah, and uh, maybe the rest kind of comes from that, or hallucinogenic, and that could explain some of that too. I guess, yeah, yeah. So I
2: don't, I don't know how anybody could have lived to.
1: Well, speaking of nature and trees, there are stories of um, the uh, the ancient god Pan, for whom I have a great fondness, actually. And uh, there are stories of modern day, I suppose you could call them Wiccans or witches or just people who are close to nature, who have um, put, I wouldn't, I'm not i not going to call them curses, but I'll say protection in the name of Pan on construction sites that they didn't like what was going on there. There was one case in England where a group of uh, uh, people were said, j- just said a simple prayer to Pan to protect these woods from a construction project. Uh, they lived in the area and they happened to like the way it was. And the uh, contractor and the foreman at the site all reported uh, that they would get to the site in the morning, in for uh, weeks on end, and the, uh, this or that piece of equipment would not work. Uh, motors uh, and engines wouldn't start on some of the trucks and the and the, uh, the graders and the other backhoes and other equipment. And then the the the, uh, the foreman and the crew would report hearing flute music coming from the woods, and say, oh, those darn college kids, you know, must have messed with the equipment. Well, I, obviously the flute is, or the pan pipes are associated with pan, and I just think it's a riot. I think it's wonderful. <laughs> uh, it has all the earmarks of something um, very interestingly paranormal, maybe messing with the construction equipment to keep uh, life and the land the way it kind of was. So, man, that's the story anyway. And I've heard that from a number of different different people, and I actually spoke, With a contractor, very – because, you know, I I, uh, write about – one of the things I write about, oddly enough, is uh, some uh, construction issues, residential construction issues for a um, long time. And uh, I've actually spoken with with at least one contractor who believed that this was kind of happening with them. They were so spooked they just pulled away from the project, and, and the owner and the person who was engaged in the project pulled away from it because even he was scared because of some of the things that were going on. So, again, you know, who knows, but uh, certainly had an interesting result. Uh, now, one thing I learned, uh, speaking of extreme paranormal stuff that's hard to believe, uh, one thing I learned in 30 years of journalism was don't be too sure what not to believe. That doesn't mean you have got to believe anything or accept any kind, of any kind of crazy story. But several listeners have sent in reports lately of an alleged secret project at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Now, again, as I say, I am not a conspiracy theorist. I don't think Ben is. Uh, we, we've seen some pretty crazy stuff that, and a lot of strange things have happened to us, but I don't know. This, this story you're about to hear goes a little bit farther than most, and I'm not saying I believe it. Anyway, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and uh, certainly deserves the label extreme. Uh, this story somehow mixes DNA recovered from a crashed UFO with our good old North American Sasquatch, Bigfoot. And the end result is supposed to be some kind of super Sasquatch soldier. Now, just when you think you've heard everything. Now, again, I'm not saying I believe this, but I'm not quite laughing because there is little doubt that Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin had a desire to do much the same thing as early as the mid-1920s. He actually spoke with scientists about crossbreeding apes and humans to make soldiers and workers who were strong, didn't complain, and uh, didn't care much about what they ate. He even wondered if they could use the Alma, a Central Asian version of the Sasquatch, if it existed, and if they could find any, to do some crossbreeding with humans. Because supposedly the Bigfoot or the Alma or the Sasquatch, whatever, is supposed to be closer to people DNA-wise than the regular ape, although I don't know how anybody even knows that. So uh, what do you think of that, Ben? Would you like to run into a super Sasquatch soldier?
2: <laughs> well, there were some. There was a report or something from like Russia in... I think it I think it was in the late eighteen hundreds of this woman that was like uh oh, it wasn't a woman. It was like a mix between like an ape and a woman. They kept it in a
1: cage. Oh, yes. That was in Russia, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. in Russia. It was okay. like
2: towards it was on the border of Georgia, I think. Yeah. It was near the uh mount near the mountains over there, I forgot yes. what it was. Yeah, and um they kept it in a cage and some guy was like in love with it and wanted to like set it free or whatever.
1: I remember that yeah. that that, suppo- that there are people in living memory who told stories of this woman, who suppo- now was it, um, I believe who, who uh, was fathered by a, a, an alma, yeah, supposedly according to the story, and the, the daughter, the resulting daughter was very hairy, but what had a lot of mostly human characteristics. And that's right, you're right. I forgot yeah. about that. story. And yeah. they
2: found they thought they found like the skeletal remains of it, and then there was the baby, or whatever the guy had like like she had a baby, and they.
1: Yeah. Oh, they tested the DNA and the baby was human. So we don't really know what happened as far as that's concerned. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You, thank you for reminding me. I've forgotten about that completely. Well done. Well, there was also the, the uh, what was it called, the human Z, uh, supposedly a chimp-human cross that ended up in America somehow and had um, human characters. He ate at the table, Had his fingers were much more... A human-like and nimble in, in human ways than an ordinary chimp. although chimps supposedly are very close to us DNA-wise, yeah. So I, I suppose these things are theoretically possible. So uh, who knows? But what, whether that's going on at Fort Leonard, what I don't know. So and again, anybody's guess.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, several readers have written in to ask about a video on LiveLeak.com, dot com. dot com with Jamaican news cameras recording what appears to be an invisible entity or some sort of energy pulling and pushing a young boy around Uh, in one shot the boy with his family trying to protect him is seated in a plastic chair when something pulls the chair up and back Uh, in another shot the boy is standing by a wall being interviewed when something clearly grabs his left leg and starts to pull him away until his mother grabs him and pulls him back Now, I've closely watched uh, that video, and even though I don't know anything about the case, I'm betting that it's legit, uh, simply because I've seen that happen with my own eyes, and it looks exactly like it does in the video. Uh, I am referring particularly to the uh, case in Bridgeport, Connecticut in 1974. Uh, Ben hasn't had the pleasure yet, uh, but in two of my past cases, both active poltergeist situations, I was in just that position of trying to protect a child. Uh, in one instance, a chair with the child in it and people sitting all around in a kitchen actually rose into the air, and I had to push it back down. And I, and I, and I always say this, it, it felt as though something kind of relented and let me do it, and it did, it did not fall back to the ground. It kind of, something came down that was holding it, Pushed I pushed, and it, it allowed me to do it, and the, the thing landed on the ground, I should say on, on the floor, without the child being unnecessarily disturbed. Although she obviously felt the chair lifting up. Anyway, in another instance, uh, I was unsuccessful in keeping the thing off the child, and it literally threw her across the room like a rag doll. It's just what she looked like. And she landed, fortunately, in a chair, not on the floor, not against the wall, on the other side of the room. And uh, it looked very much like this poor kid in this video. And uh, So naturally, what's actually happening here? and this is something that obviously terrifies children or or, or comes close to the things that really scared us when we were young or scare us now Uh, the poltergeist idea poltergeist being from two German words meaning noisy spirit and uh, what I think they are and what I've seen is that they are parasitical entities such as we often talk about on the show who get so strong that they can literally affect the environment and can create all sorts of problems like this now on the other hand uh, there is the thought that this might not be entities pulling people around or doing this stuff. It could be just disorganized energies that come from um, the presence uh, or the same processes that allow these, uh, these entities to manifest in our particular reality. I'll give you an example. Now, Ben, ben and I were working on a very interesting case over the weekend uh, at an undisclosed location in Connecticut. It's a case we have mentioned on the air before. Uh, Very, very interesting. involves everything from ghosts to UFOs and uh, sort of really personifies the multiverse idea that we often talk about. And that's why the woman initially called us five years ago because we've been working on this for five years. And she said that uh, she read my book, uh, Footsteps in the Attic, which talks about the multiverse idea. And she said this is the only thing that explained what was going on in their house. So what happened, uh, we were there over the weekend. Everything was very quiet, as it very often is when we go in there. Uh, Ben and I made an attempt to move... Some of the portals, as it were, a lot of worlds coming together, a lot of membranes converge. There were even a photographs of that, and we tried to move some of the portals out, at least out into the yard, so that whatever's coming through there, a lot of strange things have come through, creatures you really couldn't classify, things you might call ghosts, whatever. And at least so these people can have their house back. Yeah. So it seemed to be pretty peaceful when we slept. We slept literally in the the quote unquote, the most haunted room in the house and everything seemed very peaceful uh, we had the company of a very interesting cat all night <laughs> who belongs to the family yeah. and uh, this morning uh, uh, we got a note saying that uh, well uh, my daughter said this is the woman who owns the house my daughter said that well they knew Paul and Ben were gone because they tried to do something this morning one of the toys jumped out uh, of, the, of the box of toys in the child's toy room and started to move around on its own this sort of thing it is a mechanical toy, by the way we 're not talking about this doll in maine anymore, yeah, uh, and this sort of thing, and I said, you know you have to be careful because it, you can 't assume this is entities doing this it 's probably uh, or just as likely the energies associated with the uh, the, the portals and the various kinds of of, of interactions that occur among worlds at this site, and you 're not going to change that that just it seems to have a lot of of, of energy in the ground geotechnic. Uh, processes that feed this, that, that allow it to happen. And there are a lot of things that have to be lined up. So I said, and because she went in and started yelling at it, which is the worst thing you can do uh, as far as you know, feeding negative energy out. And, and if it is an entity, a, a parasite, it's going to feed on it. Uh, but anyway, uh, I haven't heard any more all day about this. But uh, supposedly there was that little bit of an outbreak. But I think it's like when you walk down a hallway and you walk very quickly and you stir up the air and you knock a few papers off a desk. You're not deliberately knocking the papers off, but the energy you create by simply moving through there or opening a door or something, whatever, will blow the, the uh, paper off the desk or off the table. And you didn't do it deliberately, but it happened. So that, that could be the case here uh, with this toy or with, with uh, one of these children being affected. Although I really did, when I was there, feel that it was an entity doing this. All right? Uh, or at least an entity was very close. One that was happening. So, again, uh, even having seen it, I can't really explain uh, the whole thing. Um, ben, any thoughts? Well, no, you pretty much hit the nail right on the head with that. Well, speaking of videos, we got a very interesting one this past weekend. Uh, there was uh, there were all sorts of things happening in this house, and we have uh, a, a thorough, rather a, a true infrared uh, camera we were using uh, for the first time in a case. And the little boy in the house uh, claims that he has a little friend named Ashwar. Interesting name. And that she uh, is often in this tree. Uh, And we got the impression that this is, you know, there are many species who kind of come together in this house, most of whom are benign or don't know or don't care or or at least are not evil uh, in our sense. And this Ashwar was supposedly in this tree. So we, we went out. It was very dark. And uh, we got some shots, and sure enough, in the beginning of this, right in the beginning of this video, you can see uh, what looks to me like a, a, a humanoid, uh, Albert, if you're still listening, this might be a case for you, a humanoid arm kind of coming down and a, maybe a hand opening and then something jumping or falling out of the tree. So whether we got a clumsy alien here or what, I don't know. But um, it's interesting that, as he said, that's where Asherah was, and this that's where it was. So uh, that video is, I want to have a few more people look at it, and I'll probably put it on our Facebook page at least, and um, I want to show it to the fellow who's helping us develop our television show and see what he thinks of it. And it was very, very interesting. Um, Very unusual. Yes. Yeah. So, um, although I don't know if we should have showed it to the people who own the house because they were a little bit antsy. I thought everything's going on in the house. Now it's outside. I'm not going outside. So that's what uh, one of the, that's what the daughter said. Yeah. Anyway, well, it's all over the place. Yeah, well, indeed, yeah, the whole area is affected. We believe, and not to say too much about it, because we're we're still working on this and there are certain parties I don't want to know uh, what we're doing up there. There, uh, suffice it to say, we believe there's a triangle. Uh, and, you know, I I don't know what I think about the Bermuda Triangle and all that, you know, but these things do seem to form triangles. The, these these energies uh, that allow the paranormal to manifest maybe in these areas more well, than triangle's
2: in triangle. just old. an ancient symbol, just means power of some sort.
1: Maybe. Are you okay? Yeah. It's an, it's an ancient symbol. Maybe maybe that's why it's an ancient symbol. People experienced these powers in the forms of geographical triangles, and in certain yeah. areas they noticed that, that. That could very well be it. So one of the points in one of these triangles is in, I think, we think, the basement of this house in a corner. And it was very interesting for you ghost hunter types, if you use your little electromagnetic field meters, one of the few uses of the thing in, in practical sense in my opinion is that you if you have a digital one and it goes into the negative range uh, in the low band, I think that that's very very unusual and almost impossible to do uh, unless it's done artificially. But if it goes into the negative range and there's nothing artificial creating it you've got a, you've got an electrical field with a polarity reversed and in, our, in my experience and in our experience, that means that energy is flowing back and forth. From one world to another, because it's an open system. The, well, the,
2: if you watch Ghost Hunters it, or anything like that, it's more like I don't know. It's like this finds ghosts or whatever. No, you went to that conference down in um, Tampa, right?
1: Yeah, Tampa? I did. Yeah, I was a speaker at the um, a and conference were, in, in What, uh, what did
2: Florida. they What did they say it did?
1: Well, they didn't say. But you know, I sat through. An, I was one of the speakers, and I I got up there, and, and it was, the, the conference was ghost hunting for beginners. Uh, and there were a lot of people there, and Murray Silver was there too. He was a popular guest on our show. And Murray and I, you know, were the, were the dissenting voices that you shouldn't even be out doing this. But we—I sat through an entire seminar w- with a relatively well-known expert who was talking about I- the EMF meters, and and not not once said what EMF meant, and really did I mean, I I don't understand. Maybe it's because I've spent so long as a journalist, but you always explain what acronyms mean, and you always you start at the beginning and, and you go from there. You don't assume that people know things. But I was, um, I don't know what, the, I've never heard an explanation of how they really use the thing. And a lot of them have non-digital EMF meters that, that actually have, have needles on them, and that, those, those don't go into the negative range, at least not one that I've ever seen. And that, to me, is the only use of the darn thing. Essentially, they're engineer's tools. And people use them, and electricians use them to find out where there's leakage in an electrical system. Because if electrical current is leaking out, uh, out you know, of a non-insulated area or some area that's not, you know, it can create a health hazard, but also it will register on this meter, and it will show um, that you've got a problem there and you need to fix it. Uh, so that's the practical use of that thing. But as far as uh, them being uh, ghost meters or all this silly stuff that, that they advertise them as, I mean it's it's worth a chuckle or two yeah. but, the, but the only real use we found is if they go into the negative range stuff starts getting fluky. and if it goes into the negative range 2 or 3 uh 100 milligauss then that's really interesting and um you really need to keep your eyes open so to me that's the only use but I I don't I've never heard anybody else ever mention it that way have you what as the, as the what? negative range of these EMFs? oh
2: that no I've never heard anybody say that besides you
1: yeah all right, well, that's, so, so that's about as far as we can go with that. But again, we, we take all this technology and gadgetry with a, a grain of salt, sometimes a pillar of salt. We don't even use that much technology besides the camera and that. We don't. I mean, I started out in 1970, and we didn't even have the technology. We had It was all seat of the pants. We had uh, ordinary old-time cassette tape recorders, which were, weren't much use. And I often point out uh, in the, the Village of Voices case that uh, was my first one, we actually heard... Uh, voices and, and things going on but it wouldn't record on the tape now everybody gets everything on tape but they don't hear with the, with the naked ear necessarily yeah. so we had EVPs in reverse electronic voice phenomenon in reverse odd as that was but uh, again I've always tried to be seat of the pants and I've trained you to do that and you have your own methods and have gone uh, in your own uh, direction where your talents have taken you uh, which is more um, I suppose shamanistic and yeah. uh, have had amazing results I think and uh, there we are. So we don't use a lot of technology. So I guess maybe we got time for an email or two. What do you think, Ben?
2: We have a giant stack of them. So yeah. Yeah. wait too. It's like the in bo- in in and out boxes for yeah, mostly like, in. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, anyway, well, unless we forgo all guests and just do emails, we might catch up. This is from. Well, that would
2: take years.
1: It would. Uh, this is from our good friend Aroma Petrov, who was one of our new reporters. She's Idaho based. And uh, had just written in that she was going to try and call in tonight. I guess she didn't have a chance, but she did uh, leave a bit of a of a note for us. Question:
2: All right, um, I was talking with a friend about your work, parasites in particular, and he was wondering if you have ever found any evidence of parasitical type entities being attached to a to positive energies slash people. I thought it it was a good question, and cannot remember you having talked about it in past
1: in any past shows. Okay, well, well, I think it is, you want to respond to that. I mean, to me, that's like a robin leaving your backyard and going swimming in the ocean. I mean, if a parasite's going to attach itself to something positive, um,
2: I'm trying to think, I don't, I
1: don't, I, I, I don't ever recall. Anything.
2: I, I don't. Yeah. Well, they've been nice people, but they're not really positive. I mean, they're polite well,
1: you, and. I, I think I know what you're getting at. What, what we have seen is parasites. Um, even at this house in Connecticut, when we first started, maybe wanting to get in, or here, maybe the energies are just right for them to get in, but the people are so positive they just can't get near them. I found that the case right here in Woonsocka at that time. Yeah. Uh, in in a one of um, gee, when was it? late 90s I think you weren't involved yet, but we had uh, several people involved and the house was, you know, had the Manson family moved in. They would have had big problems. Yeah. Right? But, never mind the neighbors. But these people were so positive. I mean, they'd come down in the morning and the rocking chair would be rocking back and forth. Okay. And uh, they said, well, we got something going on here. But they, they themselves were so positive that nothing nothing clicked, nothing negative happened. That I didn't sense any parasites there in the first place. Yeah. Seemed to be an old lady sharing uh, the, the same space and whatever world she was living in. And she'd hear them the way they would hear her. And she probably thought they were ghosts. And they think, you know, that's how it works. So, but as far as uh, I, I have never seen a truly positive person having a parasite problem.
2: Neither, neither have I, now that I think about it. No, no, probably it not. It could be
1: in the background because of the site. Yeah. Like it doesn't, the last duck, so to speak, to be lined up doesn't line up. And that would be the person who is just negative enough to allow some kind of feeding to take place or to be the host of the parasite. Yes. Yeah. And if that doesn't happen, then you're not, I've never seen anything really uh, create a problem. Okay. Here oh, – this is kind of long. I'm to read that one. Here's, here's a short one. Okay. You should, like, organize them by long or short. Yeah, I suppose I should. Anyway. Well, here's one – actually, I think we might have touched on – okay. We might have touched on this one very briefly uh, on CBS last night. But this is, uh, this is from Randy in San Angelo, Texas. We didn't finish talking. I was okay.
2: Brief. So if one becomes a spirit and hangs around a house is – a year to a ghost is the same as us, or only a few seconds? Does it have any yeah, Does time have any meaning?
1: Why do some spirits stay around and some go? All right. Well, here we go again with the assumptions, and I'm sure this is well-intentioned. But what makes you think, Randy, that these are spirits? That we believe time is relative. Time is relative, especially when we're running out of time on the show here. So, But in any case, i will give it as much time as we did last night. I don't believe these are spirits because I don't believe a spirit can be in a whole being. Uh, if you have no body, you are not a complete human being. I believe these are people existing in parallel worlds, parallel realities as talked about in quantum mechanics and quantum physics, and that you're interacting in that way. So I would say uh, as far as time is concerned, time is relative. Einstein proved that. It's a function of our consciousness. It passes differently for different people in different situations. There are areas on the earth where it will pass more slowly because, or, or quicker because of the geotechnics under the area. People traveled to the moon. They proved that time sped up a little bit for them and that they didn't age as long. They were traveling about 25,000 miles an hour. It was very slight, but medical technology at the time was able to see. That Einstein was right. The faster you travel, the slower you age. So it's all relative. So I would say, uh, don't worry about it, okay? Uh, I don't think that's uh you're either going to be a spirit or you're going to be slow or anything else. Anyway, uh, it's coming down to the end of the show here, uh, here on Owen, 1240 a.m., and we want to say thanks to our good... Uh, Good friend and producer, Craig Pelletier, and we will see you next week, Monday, December 6th, when our guest will be UFO researcher and disclosure activist, Steve Bassett. Uh, Steve has spoken at the National Press Club. He's taken very seriously. Alright,
2: so on our regular Sunday show on December 5th, 7pm Eastern, Fort Pacific, on CBS Radio in Pittsburgh, Boston, Detroit, and Seattle, and online at www.newskyradio.com and at parax.com, we'll be welcoming back British author and folklorist and psychic Cassandra Eason for a look at Fortune Telling, Fate or Fraud. And check out our website at www.behindtheparanormal.com, and your local radio schedules for CBS radio, uh, CBS stations that carry the show, and websites where you can hear us from anywhere. And remember, you can always get free podcasts of all our shows, along with show schedules and guest information at
1: www.behindtheparanormal.com. And uh, we, uh, I ask you to check those sites too, because we just put up the podcast of the final of our Rendlesham shows, Rendlesham. UFO incidents at the NATO air bases in England in uh, 1980, very, very shocking, very dramatic witnessed by high-ranking officers, and we had them all on the show. 14 hours we did on that show. We just finished it up yesterday. And they're having a reunion back there next month, the uh, 30th anniversary of the incidents. And we do hope to have, uh, while we can't go there and do it, I wish we could, yeah. uh, we're going to be having uh, some pre-recording done with our friend uh, Peter Robbins, who's going to help put us, we're going to put together some kind of show for next month to finish it all up. But it's been very dramatic. And again, behindtheparanormal.com, free podcast of that. Uh, those are two-hour shows. Okay, and tonight we leave you with a nice positive quote from American artist Florence Seville Sh- Scoville Shin. Nothing is too good to be true. Nothing is too good to last. Nothing is too wonderful to happen. See you next time.
0: Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.